0: You're listening to the On The Go with VAO News podcast for the week ending September 23rd, 2016. Hello and welcome to the podcast, a weekly recap of the top headlines from the Daily Acquisition News. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dara Curran, content developer and news writer.
1: And I'm Allison Cartwright, fellow news writer.
0: The Government Accountability Office has found that agencies need to do a better job of setting out plans and then actually delivering their information technology projects on an incremental basis. After examining the federal IT dashboard and identifying 169 projects at 22 different agencies, GEO concluded that just under two-thirds of the projects were complying with incremental development mandates to produce some kind of usable functionality every six months. Agencies pointed to the complexity of their projects as well as lacking a specific project release schedule as chief reasons for their lack of compliance. GAO also noted that although the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act does task agency chief information officers with certifying their organization's IT investments, there are not yet specific parameters in place for how they should achieve that. GAO recommended the Office of Management and Budget clarify existing guidance regarding which IT investments are subject to incremental development requirements and how CIOs should report the status of exempt projects.
1: For the second year in a row, fiscal fourth quarter spending will likely decline because of increased spending in the first quarter. According to analysts, this is actually due to more budget certainty. In Q4, spending priority is on information technology and professional services, but Q1 spending puts precedence on core missions like healthcare care for the Defense Health Agency and aircraft maintenance for the Air Force. Another federal official is making the move to Amazon. This time, Office of Federal Procurement Policy Administrator and U.S. Chief Acquisition Officer Ann Rung, who was a main player in the government push for use of category management, will be leaving the federal workforce to become the new head of Amazon Business, the company's strategic supplier program for the public sector, starting November 1st. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has recently been dealing with capability and cost challenges related to its $20 billion next-generation weather satellites. So they are now looking at alternative methods of collecting weather data, namely commercial satellite companies that can cost-effectively collect the same level of data. Two California-based commercial companies have been awarded contracts in the $3 million commercial weather data pilot, GeoOptics, and Spire Global
0: federal employees are feeling more engaged and satisfied, according to the 2016 Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey released by the Office of Personnel Management. Overall, engagement and satisfaction numbers rose from last year by 1% in both categories to 65 and 61% respectively. The Federal Trade Commission showed the highest level of engagement in large agency, with 82%, and the Office of Management and Budget led global satisfaction at 79%. The American Mammal Commission topped the list for small agencies in both engagement and satisfaction at 92 and 96 percent, respectively. More detailed results will be available in early October. The Department of Labor's wage and hour division announced that starting January 1st, the minimum wage rate for workers on applicable federal contracts will increase from $10.15 to $10.20. Also, the minimum cash wage for tipped employees on applicable contracts will increase from $5.85 to $6.80. This rate increase will apply to workers on contracts under Executive Order 13658
1: to help keep counterfeit items out of the supply chain the defense logistics agency is teaming up with the national intellectual property rights coordination center to test a pilot counterfeit detection program in the program dla employed test coordinators to inspect the general physical appearance of items and compare their findings to technical drawings for further authentication testing coordinators send photos directly to manufacturers to confirm DLA aims to make this pilot program a fixture in the agency's efforts to combat counterfeit materials. GSA has published a final rule to amend the Federal Management Regulation Transportation Payment and Audit to clarify regulations for agency and Department of Defense Transportation Payment Audit. There is a decent amount of change from the original proposed rule, mostly having to do with revising definitions and removing terms for consistency. The agency also clarified the roles and responsibilities of its Transportation Audits Division and strengthened requirements and responsibilities for prepayment and postpayment audits, submission requirements, and required information on all transportation documentation. The final rule is effective immediately.
0: DOD today published four final and two proposed rules to amend the DFARS. Let's start with the final rules, which add Moldova as a new designated country under the World Trade Organization Government Procurement Agreement. Implement Section 2801 of the 2012 NDAA, which prohibits any form of cost plus contracting for military construction projects or military family housing projects implement section 813A of the 2016 NDAA, which addressed rights in technical data relating to major weapon systems, and make several editorial changes. All of the final rules are effective immediately.
1: The proposed rules implement sections of the 2015 and 2016 NDAA to revise the test program for negotiation of comprehensive small business subcontracting plans. Among the changes are requiring semi-annual reporting of the amount of first-tier subcontract dollars awarded, the total number of active subcontracts, costs incurred in negotiating, complying with, and reporting on comprehensive subcontracting plans, and costs avoided by adoption of a comprehensive subcontracting plan. The rule also increases the threshold for participation in the test program from $5 million to $100 million and extends the test program through December 31, 2017. The second proposed rule makes a number of adjustments to the DOD Pilot Mentor-Protege program. Nothing huge and surprising, though. Of course, you want to peruse the details closely if there is something your daily work relates to, but the big item to note is it will extend the program for three years. Comments on both proposed rules should be submitted by October 22nd.
0: An interesting report came out this week. Uh, GSA's Office of Inspector General has warned that the agency's multiple award schedules program may not, in fact, be providing the lowest cost alternative to government clients based on OIG's evaluation of fiscal year 2014 pre-award audits. OIG examined 42 contracts and estimated sales of over $6.5 billion over the course of their impending contract periods, and they identified opportunities for price and discount adjustments totaling more than $221 million dollars. Reviewers also found numerous instances in which the contractors failed to comply with program requirements. For example, OIG determined that 79% of the contractors they audited in fiscal 2014 provided commercial sales practice disclosures that were not current, accurate, or complete, as they were supposed to do, to help GSA contracting officers verify that they were submitting fair and reasonable pricing. If they had complied with this requirement, OIG asserted that COs could have used that information to obtain an additional $405 million in cost savings.
1: Wow, that is some significant money we're talking about.
0: It really is. And OIG found that another rule is being flouted that cost the government a further $79 million. This particular instance of noncompliance was concerning best pricing, a supplier who gets the majority of their sales through the schedules is supposed to offer. And if they don't, the government is supposed to demand they offer prices that are at least equal to or ideally better than the best pricing that's going to any of the vendor's other customers. And they're not doing that? No, they are not. And OIG found that 18 of the fiscal 2014 contracts sampled, they did have MAS as the biggest client, so they would fall under this rule. But right around 40% of the vendors were not passing on those sweet spot prices. And that's where that other $79 million could have come from. And unfortunately, it wasn't always just the vendors who could be more conscientious about their responsibilities under the program. Uh, OIG noted that the recommendations they provided to GSA COs Should have resulted in that $221 million in savings that was previously cited uh, by negotiating over the remaining contract option periods. All of those reductions were heavily documented with all of the data that OIG scraped together, a benefit that admittedly, CEOs don't normally have when they go in to negotiate these uh, price adjustments. But in these cases, they did have that when they walked in there to to negotiate, they're armed with all that stuff in their vendor discussions. And still, afterwards, they reported only attaining 43% of those identified savings opportunities. So according to OIG, that left $128 million on the table. And they flagged other compliance issues too. For instance, in one sample set, OIG found a quarter of the vendors weren't providing personnel that were as qualified as their contracts required. There were instances of overbilling too, and contractors don't always have systems that are robust enough in place to collect and report their schedule sales and also properly compute what they owe GSA in payments. OIG recommended the agency take steps to ensure stronger compliance with the rules, and that would protect both the Federal Acquisition Service and its client agencies and strengthen the integrity of the overall schedules program.
1: Well, this brings up an interesting question because GSA is working on rolling out that pilot with the Federal Supply Schedule Program that is going to actually let participating vendors not supply their commercial sales disclosures.
0: This is the Transactional Data Reporting, or TDR, program. You know, I always see that when I read it as... TLDR, which is the abbreviation for that was too long. I didn't read it, which is I'm like, no, that's, that's not what it is. Anyway, vendors last month had actually asked GSA to clarify dozens of logistical questions about this program. Like, how are they going to use this data and just who is going to have access to it? So they even requested a delay in the rollout, which is planned for incremental release actually starting across selected schedules beginning this past July.
1: Right. Vendors were asking for a stay till January, at the very least. GSA responded to all that this week and said they didn't want to wait. They made the very good point that this isn't just supposed to benefit GSA and FSS clients. It's supposed to help vendors themselves. One figure I saw estimated that pilot participants were expected to be able to avoid $29 million in reporting burden.
0: Right that often gets brought up on the agency side of things uh, anytime they automate information processing they say oh we save so much money right because you know we're not having to do things by hand and you know that's a similar idea here that the prices paid info you'll set up a pipeline it'll go straight to GSA and it'll also be incorporated into the appropriate category management hallway from there.
1: Now, that doesn't mean GSA COs would be hands-off with the data stream. The agency clarified that the plan is for COs to review pricing on a quarterly basis to ensure it remains within acceptable ranges and take a closer look at pricing submitted with modification requests to add products or services, as well as the prices that are falling outside the competitive range. Moreover, they'll be looking at the effects on small business contracting and within the category management realm. Tracking bigger trends to help see what the effects are on industry and where there are opportunities for more efficient government buying
0: and they also reassured vendors. They're not going to be making any unilateral contract changes. I mean, this is just a pilot and nothing is going to be decided until there's at least an entire year of testing and tracking to see how this goes. So hopefully that was somewhat reassuring to industry. Although, you know, honestly, on the cynical side of me, um, I, I do feel a little bit like the principle here applies of if you have nothing to hide, you don't have anything to fear, which, you know, as far as like that applies to industry, individual citizens and, you know, things like stop and frisk. That's one thing, but these are companies. And what we just saw with that OIG report Uh, You know, maybe vendors could be doing a little bit better job of being transparent. And, you know, the government is such a big client, you would want to do anything you can to keep them really happy with your services and the prices you're offering, I would think. So, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, that is all for this week. If you are a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can read more about any of the covered headlines on the same VAO page where you downloaded the podcast.
1: Tune in again on Friday, September 30th to catch up on all the latest developments from the Daily Acquisition News. Goodbye.